Hello strangers, my name is Rose Gothop. I am the writer-director of this podcast and I want to welcome you to The Greenlands Presents. This podcast is all about the magical world of the Greenlands. If you want more information about the Greenlands or want to submit a script or be involved in the project as a voice actor or even just, you know, throw money at us, check out our websites at the-greenlands.com, the-greenlands.com or tweet at us on Twitter at GreenlandsThe or Instagram. These also will be put on YouTube. excited for this new season called The Baroness's Beef, called that because she has beef with everyone. It's a problem. As with the previous two seasons, we meet a new cast of people and also meet some old returning favourites. This season, we get to meet Adamant's family and find out why it is that he is like that. The events of this season occur while the boys are away at school and then on their quest to the Sisters of the Middle Sun, so it runs parallel to the Knights Erratic. As more episodes from this new season come online, we will be removing old episodes of The Night's Erratic and putting them up on YouTube and on an archive on our website on thegreenlands.com. For this episode of The Baroness's Beef, I would like to thank our amazing cast, Andrew Veal, Charles Mode, David McCran, Helen Berry, Kitty Bennett, Linda Dutson, Sam Parry, Sophie Cole, Vicky Holding and Zoe Cunningham. I hope you all have a lovely and fantastic week. Scene 36. Exterior. Woodland. Day. Thurb and his father are trampling through the woods. The Baron has his bow and quiver across his back. They come out into the glade where the rabbit's snare cages lie, but all of the little doors are open and there are no rabbits. The Baron is angry. He puts his hands on his hips and lets out a volley of oaths. What? By Zograt's spear, Blackguard stole my... Verb shrugs and says it's Yuisa and Clarissa. Scene 37. Interior. Castle Solar. Afternoon. Ethelberta and the Duchess of the Great Lands are sitting opposite each other in front of a lit fire grate. Imelda sits at a little distance next to Yuisa. There are two grand, middle-aged blonde ladies-in-waiting also sitting next to the latter. The costume of the visitors although the usual medieval style has a distinctly elven flavour, as have their hair arrangements. Their noses are raised in hauteur and disdain. There is a tea table at Ethelberta's elbow, and she is serving another cup of tea to the Duchess. The Duchess takes the tea, surreptitiously waves her fingers, and her tea stirs itself. It is so good of you to even think of our little Wisa. I didn't think of it. I was importuned. However, you can bring the girl here. She points to the hearth rug in front of her, and Ethelberta frantically indicates to Yusa that she is to vacate her seat and come and stand on the rug. Yusa politely complies, and the waiting ladies nod, satisfied. Do spell, gal. And number and scribe, your ladyship. Turn your face. She indicates and then scrutinises as Yusa complies. And the other way. 
She indicates more scrutiny. Hmm. The face should be heart-shaped. I didn't choose. Do you play? Uh, a little. On the dulcimer. And tell her about your cramhorn, dear. Peps? No girl of family should be seen putting peps into her mouth. Oh, Your Grace, I do assure you that our daughter would never... The Duchess leans over towards the Baroness and looks up at her. And does she worship the sun, the moon or the stars, Baroness? Um, we have private family worship of the sun, my lady. Mm. Low church. She turns her head away and looks down disdainfully. Yisa's curtsies and returns to her chair. The company sip their tea in silence. Imelda smiles and nods ingratiatingly over her teacup at one of the waiting ladies, who slowly turns her head away contemptuously. Scene 38. Interior, castle, Baroness's bedroom, afternoon. Imelda is sitting sewing on a chair, and Ethelberta is sitting on her bed going through a pile of white hoisery. She is pulling each stocking sequentially out from the pile, inspecting it and either putting it onto one pile, or wrinkling her nose, shaking her head, and putting the stockings onto the other pile. I suppose it is a no, though. Her Grace really didn't seem that interested in Risa for his young lordship. Then that's the Duchess's loss, Bertie. Risa is kind and beautiful. Yes, but she's not even a pure elf. She's not even half. She's only a quarter elf. Ah, but the Duchess herself has got quite a lot of human in her own background. But not any goblin. Harold, uh, the Baron is still a lord, Bertie. Weese is still noble. Ethelberta gets up and deposits her two piles of stockings in a chest. Bless you, Smelly. You're really quite perceptive for a pure human, you know. She floats through into the garderobe, and Emilda looks up, a bit hopelessly, at the backhanded compliment. Scene 39, exterior, woods, afternoon. Yisa is in her woodsman clothes and walking with Clarissa. So it's an air and uh, it's made of like a semi-precious stone. Isn't it rather heavy? No, of course not. And anyway, you only leave it there like for a while and then... Ew, that's rather gross. No, it was in the latest broadsheet called soup or, or doop. Or some... There is a loud boom. Ah! Both of the girls jump and shriek. Oh my god. What was that? Yisa looks angry. There's only one person would be causing trouble round here. She sets off towards the noise. Come on, let's get the little beast. There is another louder bang. Scene 40. Interior, castle, dining hall. Morning. The Baron smashes his boiled egg. The family, with the Milda, are at breakfast. They are chomping away, each in his or her own worlds. The steward comes in with a rolled parchment on a salver and offers it to Ethelberta. She takes it with a smile. Thank you, Spillikins. Do top up the Baron's beer, would you please? The steward smiles and nods. He then pours out some more beer for the Baron, who is plying his cutlery. There are cold cuts and bread on the table. The Baron nods and grunts his thanks. Ethelberta opens her parchment, breaking the wax seal first. She reads the letter. Suddenly, Ethelberta calls. 
Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Lisa, the Duchess is interested in you after all. She wants to bring her son down, Lord Greenhurst, uh, all along, together with her husband, the Duke. Oh. She puts her hand on her chest and looks, open-mouthed and triumphantly, at Yisa and Imelda. Yisa half smiles in a sickly fashion, while Imelda smiles encouragingly at Ethelberta and at Yisa. Scene 41. Interior. Village. Draper's shop. Day. Ethelberta and Imelda enter the shop, talking. The bell sounds and the draper's wife comes through. She nods. Morning. Good morning, Mistress Walleye. Who is it? It's only her. At Castle. Oh, that's all right then. I just called to see if you had any crimson ribbon. Oh, crimson ribbon, is it? Yes, Crimson Ribbon. Did you not see the Countess just leave then? No. She had the lot. Came in here with all her retainers. Heaps of them too, she had. Ethelberta smiles, ironically, through gritted teeth. What? Retainers or ribbon? Mistress Walleye starts counting off on her fingers. Both. <laughs> the Rook Lady's maid and Major Domo and... Perhaps you have Magenta then? Nope. And there were three footmen. A carriage driver, and... Well, Cherry would do at a pinch. No. And then there were the arm retainers, just for one carriage and all. Ooh, a good dozen, a... I'll have to make do with a supply of green, then, Mistress Walleye. Good day. She turns, and she and Imelda hurry out. And proper arm-like. None of your pitchforks and rakes type thing. Scene 42. Interior, castle, Baron's bedroom, night. Ethelberta comes away from the garderoberia, plaiting her hair. She walks over to the Baron's single bed and sits down. The Baron is fiddling with his nightcap, already in bed. It's tomorrow that the Duke and Duchess come with their son, Lord Greenhurst, Harold. <clears throat> he is now lacing up his nightgown at the front. This could be a great opportunity for Wisa. You will be nice to them, won't you? Not if she's going to be rude like that toffee-nosed Countess. The Duchess is a much greater woman than the Countess. Greatlands owns all of the shires up to the east coast, nearly to Elvenwold. Yeah, but him and her aren't full-blood elves, so they can't actually live in Elvenwood, can they? Well, not without the Elf Queen's dispensation. He grins. Ethelberta leans over to him seductively. Well, just be nice to him and talk about hunting or something. She puckers up and leans smoochingly in towards the Baron, who gives her a quick peck on the cheek and then rapidly turns over. I will, dear. Night, then! Ethelberta, thus repelled, sits up again. She turns her head back and sits there, looking at his back for a while. Then she sighs, gets up, and walks quietly out. Night, Harold. Scene 43. Interior, castle, dining hall, evening. The family are at dinner, including Imelda and Stettel. The Duke and the Duchess with their son are also at the table. Each diner is dressed in his best, even Burb, who has had his hair wet and plastered down with a centre parting. Lord Greenhurst, their son, is 19 years old. He is good-looking, unaffected, and seems to mean well. They are finishing pudding. Burb is sitting next to Lord Greenhurst, Yisa's suitor. Lord Greenhurst turns to make conversation with Burb. 
And so, you are Yusuf's brother, are you, little man? I was introduced. I'm not little anyway. No, no. I'm sure you're very grown up for your age. For my age? I'm nearly thirteen. Thirteen? Well, that is grown up. He leans forward in his chair to address Yusa across the table. Don't you think so, Lady Yusa? What? Berg is grown up for his age. If you mean too big for his boots, then yes. Baroness, it is pleasant to see the two young people chat away. I think I shall give my approval for my son to visit your daughter regularly. Oh, very good, Duchess. She turns and smiles encouragingly to Yusa. Won't that be lovely, dear? I don't know, Mother. I'll have to wait and see. Ethelberta turns and smiles at Lord Greenhurst, who points down the table. Is that a bit of cheese, I see? Burb scowls at Lord Greenhurst. Scene 44. Exterior, woods, day. Burb and Kazakh are seated on logs next to each other, pounding stuff with a mortar and pestle. There is a pile of black coals next to one, and a pile of white crystalline material next to the other. So do your lot spend a lot of time bashing salty pizza and coal and stuff? Oh yes indeed, boyo. We have a whole department of bashing. Just so you can blow rocks up? Well, it's a ratty sight quicker than picking away at the stuff, I can tell you that much. I hate it. So, how come you don't use bang powder for firing at things? Too busy mining. Oh, and betrothing. And wedding. Yuck! Wedding and stuff is boring. Especially when you have to get married. I don't like U.S.'s latest suitor, you know? What? Your tour rag, then? No. It's just that he's too nice, you know? Yuck! What, like he gives you things, then? No, he just says nice things, which is worse. Kazakh nods, sympathetically. Yeah, that's the worst. Look, you. Grown-ups. I'm gonna keep an eye on him. Yeah. Scene 45. Exterior. Woods. Elsewhere. That day. Lisa and Lord Greenhurst are walking out together, about three feet apart and abreast. I suppose you must get pestered with men all the time, milady. I do get quite a few. Well, thanks for putting up with one more, then. Does your mother line us up, like mine does? She does, a bit. And she gets so angry if I try and duck out. Oh, same here. I just want to rescue small fairy things that my father and Burb catch. Oh, yes. Small fairy things. He looks down sadly. They arrive at Burb's glade. Hear Burb talking and look up across the glade. Issa walks swiftly across the glade towards Burb. Ha! Caught you at it this time! She inspects their gear and piles of powder. What on earth are you doing? She stares at them, and Lord Greenhurst nods affably. Making bang powder? What for? For making bangs, of course. That all? Well, I also thought that... Because Pater had taken my catapult away, I could use this powder to fire rocks or nails at people. What? You'd kill them! Oh no, just little rocks or nails. Just to annoy them, you know? If you even think of firing rocks at me with your bang powder, I will personally mash every single bird's egg in your collection. 
All right, Burb Breathneck. Burb jumps to his feet. You daren't! Watch me! She tosses her head, puts her arm in that of Lord Greenhurst, and walks off. Scene 46. Interior afternoon. Aisa and Ethelberta and Imelda are seated at the work table in the solar. They are writing on cards, copying from a big list, and dipping their quills into a pestle and mortar of homemade ink. Did you have a nice walk this morning, Risa? Aisa shrugs. It was all right, Mother. You can't surely object to Lord Greenhurst. A quite unobjectionable young man. Yes, but he's not much there, sort of. Well, whether he is all there or not, he's coming to your 18th party. Have you done the Duke's family card, or shall I? I've just done it, Bertie. The door opens, and Stettel comes in. Hello, ladies. Any tea? Ethelberta points to the tea tray on the elbow table near her usual fireside chair. Yes, pour yourself some, Stettel. Stettel pours his tea and brings it as he comes to stand next to the ladies. The, the Baron around? No, he's just gone out hunting small game. With only one armed retainer. Oh, um, uh, you wouldn't happen to have a few spare groats on you, would you? He stirs his tea and then drinks it. Good grief, no. The housekeeper has just cleaned me out for a new sugar loaf. I haven't a single coin. Imelda has been inspecting the list. She suddenly leans it and expects it more closely. Bertie, you're not inviting Mistress Walleye, are you? You hate her. Ethelberta smiles. Ah, yes, but it always says that you should keep your enemies close. Besides, I want to see her face when she sees some of Rhys's suitors and is forced to compare them with her own daughter's pock-faced lummock of a betrothed brewer. Emilda looks at her with gentle chiding. I didn't say I would marry any of them, Mother. No, just be your usual sweet self and smile and wave at them, dear. Smile and wave. She smiles and blows on the wet ink of the card she has just written and waves it around. Scene 47. Exterior, woods. The same afternoon. The Baron is striding through the woods with his crossbow and his manservant carrying a rabbit. Suddenly, six men erupt from some nearby bushes, leap on the Baron and his servant, and bear them to the ground. The Baron roars and thrashes, and it takes four men to quell and sit on him. The rather elderly servant is soon quelled as well, and only requires two men to control him. We'll just have your crossbow, and any money you have, Baron. He snatches the Baron's hand and sees the ring which he manages to wrench off, despite the Baron's wriggling. Ah, yes, and we'll have this as well. Empty his pockets. The brigands empty the Baron's pockets and give the three coins to the chief. Hmm, only six florins. Better than nothing, I suppose. Tie their legs together. The brigands whip out some cords and tie the baron's and his servant's legs. They then run off, whooping and shouting. The baron sits up, roars at them, and shakes his fists at their departing rears. (laughs) 
that was an episode of the Baroness's Beef from the Greenlands Presents. I'd like to thank the brilliant Steve Cummings for editing this episode and the amazing David Berlin for making the music. We're just a small podcast. We don't have any marketing budget or anything, so we rely on word of mouth to get people to hear us. If you like us or think somebody else would like us, please drop us a review or share us on social media. Tag us and we will love you forever. If you want to know more about the worlds of the Greenlands or want to sell your spirits to an ancient and dark nature god, check out thegreenlands.com, the-greenlands.com. If you want to access our archive of previously seasons, check out YouTube channel The Greenlands Official. We love you all. Don't get cursed by a witch. See you next time. <laughs>